During my time in seminary, um, there was different days when we'd be super, super busy, but you also just had some normal human things that you had to take care of. About five years ago when I was at seminary, just one of those normal days, just busyness catches in and just found myself needing to do a totally human thing that I was putting off and I needed it just to get a simple haircut. And as I was able to find some time to sneak away in the busyness of, of my life, um, I went to a hair salon, you know, and the hairstylist called my name, said, Zach. And I said, yes, here, thank you. And um, the, the difference between us was pretty drastic exteriorly. You know, she presented herself very, very differently than I did. But I'll get to that in a moment. But just to be fair to her, I, di- I didn't really know her. And as we shared a handshake and just small talk, she began to share with me her feelings about how deeply she was hurt by the statements of a gentleman um, who had his hair cut before me. She began to share about the negative comments he made about her multiple nose rings, her multiple eyebrow rings, her many, many earrings. He spoke negatively about her black fingernail polish, about her black lipstick, her black eyeshadow. He spoke negatively about the chain that was around her neck. You know, in the moment, I couldn't really think of, of what to say because I was so shocked that someone would even just say these things out loud to another person. I began to pray for the gift of wisdom because I just, I just did not know what to say. All I could think of was just from my formation is always going back to how much we don't know one another. I didn't know her. I didn't know the gentleman who spoke these negative things to her. Before I knew it, the haircut was over, and to much of my embarrassment, I, I grabbed in my pockets and I started looking around, and I'm like, I do not have my wallet. So I asked the hairstylist, I said, um, I'm going to place my cell phone on the, on the countertop here just to, just to prove to you I'm, I'm not going to leave, but could I please go to my car and, and see if my wallet's there? And as I walked towards my car on that spring morning, or that spring afternoon, you know, it was, it was brisk out, it was nice, but just kind of walked a little extra, extra more, a little, with a little more slow, a slower pace. And I got to my car and just kept praying, but said, whew, thank you, God, for having my wallet in the car. And as I walked back, I just begged God, please give me some wisdom I can share with her. Because I felt her broken heart. I felt the pain that she was going through of being judged and being misunderstood. And I shared it all with God. And in that little prayer of going to my car and coming back, the Lord um, said, you need courage, too, to say what you need to say to her. So as I paid my bill, I just told her, you know, I just want to let you know that it's, it's not right for a man to speak to a woman that way. And then God gave me these words. These are not my words, but these are the words that God gave to me. And he just said, the way that we speak about other people reveals more about that person than it does about you. You know that the way that we speak about other people speaks more about ourselves than it really does about that person. And that can be a very positive thing or a very negative thing. And as I spoke those words to her, she kind of just didn't know how to receive it at first. But eventually she smiled and said, that's exactly what I needed to hear, thank you. And I told her, you're welcome and you'll be in my prayers. Now, why would I bring that story up on this feast day of the presentation of a Lord in the temple by Mary and Joseph? Well, there are many reasons, but we hear in today's gospel from the prophet Simeon 
And he says to Mary, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be contradicted. And you yourself a sword will pierce so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. In the Catholic faith, this prophecy points to a devotion that some of you may have heard of called the Seven Sorrows of Mary. And they also correspond to the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Even as a priest, sometimes I forget the, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Even just last week, I was on the March for Life, and I was around some high school students, and they asked me, Hey, Father, what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And luckily, I had one of the frauders, which means brother in French, one of the frauders from the Norbertines next to me who teaches at Notre Dame Academy in Green Bay. And I said, yeah, frauder, what are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit? (laughs) You know, the cool thing about our Catholic faith is we have overlap. We have overlap, and it helps us understand and learn our faith. So I I just want to simply just introduce to you or reintroduce to you the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. But maybe the seven sorrows of Mary will help you remember them and to rely upon them. So if you find yourself in an area where things just seem dark right now, to call upon the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you just are in a stressful time and you're suffering and you need some peace. And maybe this is a simple invitation to call upon the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they may be helpful to you. So the first sorrow of Mary is what we heard in our gospel today. The prophecy of Simeon, that a sword will pierce your heart, or a sword will pierce your soul. That corresponds to the gift of fear of a Lord, or shock and awe. Mary is explicitly reminded in this prophecy of her sorrowful vocation. Fear of God is filial, or chaste fear, whereby we revere God and avoid separating ourselves from him. This is not to say that fear of the Lord means that I'm scared of God. But if we know who God truly is in his loving tenderness, in his merciful gaze, if we know about his sacrifice in his only son, we always just want to live in light of that. And in this gift, we're given a sense of awe. Maybe you looked at creation sometime and you're just amazed at God's beauty. Or maybe when you had your first child and you're just like, oh my gosh, this, this child is unique. Not another one of them will be made again. And the gift of fear of the Lord always reminds us of the awesomeness and the amazingness of our God. The second sorrow of Mary is the flight into Egypt. And that corresponds with the gift of piety. Mary, in her piety or in her relationship to God, she fulfills her duties towards Joseph and Jesus in a foreign land. Piety is principally revering God with a filial affection, paying worship and duty to God and honoring the saints and not contradicting Scripture. So when we look at piety, this gift also reminds us, as what we're doing today, to be reverent while we're at Mass, to be praying, when we genuflect to know that God is truly present in the tabernacle, receiving the Eucharist humbly, knowing we don't deserve it, but yet our God is so good to us. And it helps us remember that every person is a gift from God. And piety also reminds us to think otherwise if we think they're not. Piety also reminds us that if we believe what the Catholic Church teaches with Jesus being truly present in the Eucharist, it's a deep, deep offense to, not, or to leave Mass early, unless it's like an emergency or, or I'm sick. Piety would remind us to come back and pay due reverence to what we just received, to sit and be with our loving God. The third sorrow of Mary 
is the loss of a child in the temple. That corresponds with the gift of the Holy Spirit of knowledge. Mary's knowledge in Christ's identity as, as a son of God shines through here. Knowledge is the ability to judge correctly about matters of faith and right action so as to never wander from the straight and narrow path that Christ calls us all to. This gift helps us discern, helps us calm our emotions, and not jump quick, too quickly to judging others. Because knowledge would say, how well do I know this person? How well do they know me? And when it comes to our, our media and our, our lives, we have to ask, do I only know this, this celebrity or this politician or this president or this pope through a lens? Or have I actually taken time to really study their lives and give them a fair shake? The fourth sorrow of Mary, of Mary is Mary meets Jesus on the way to Calvary. And this corresponds to the gift of courage or the gift of fortitude. So Mary's strength shines through in seeing Christ through his passion. Fortitude denotes a firmness of mind in doing good and avoiding evil, particularly when things are difficult or dangerous to do so, and the confidence to overcome all obstacles, even deadly ones, by the virtue of assurance of what Christ purchased for us on the cross, which is everlasting life. Courage and fortitude helps us not to slander others or make excuses, even when we believe we're doing, we're doing God's will, even if it means being misunderstood and being judged harshly. Mary understood clearly as she watched Jesus go through his passion. The fifth sorrow of Mary is Jesus dies on the cross. This corresponds with the gift of counsel. Mary is the spiritual guide and consoler, counselor for all who seek her crucified son. For we hear Jesus say on the cross, Mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. Jesus gave her as a gift to us to help us remember about his immense love for us. Counsel allows each person to be directed by God in matters necessary for his salvation. Counsel reminds us to seek good friends who are emotionally and spiritually mature, and those who gossip or spread rumors would simply not be healthy people to seek counsel from. But also we receive, counsel, we receive the gift of counsel through reading scripture, studying the lives of the saints, spending time in prayer to grow. And those who are humble, those who are patient, those who are prayerful, those who are merciful, typically have the gift of counsel. The second last sorrow of Mary is Mary receives the body of Jesus in her arms. And this corresponds with the gift of understanding. As Mary holds the dead child in her arms, she perceives his coming resurrection. So understanding is penetrating insight into the very heart of things, especially those higher truths that are necessary for eternal salvation. In essence, understanding is being able to see God in every situation. And when you and I truly seek to understand God's intense love and mercy for all of humanity, it transforms everything we do. It transforms our conversations. It transforms how we spend our time. It transforms what we do on the weekends and what we, how we sleep, what we do with our free time. And we understand that through the gift of knowledge or understanding, we don't know everything. People will make mistakes, but all, all of us are created for a relationship with Jesus and are created for heaven. The seventh and final sorrow of Mary is the body of Jesus being placed in the tomb. 
And this corresponds with the gift of wisdom. Wisdom is hidden, just as Christ is hidden. But Mary continues to see Christ and communicate with him. Wisdom is both the knowledge of and the judgment about heavenly or divine things and the ability to judge and direct human affairs according to the truth. This is a gift that I prayed for at the hair salon. The divine truth in the interaction was that how you and I speak about other people reveals more about us than it does about them. And that can be, again, a very positive thing or a very negative thing. And since Mary has been traditionally called the spouse of the Holy Spirit in her relation to the Trinity, this should come as no surprise to us that her seven sorrows are in line with the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'd just like to close by giving you a quote from Pope Francis. As he talks, he gave an excerpt from a, a book called A Way Forward for the Church, knowing that it's a difficult time to be Catholic, knowing that we all have our, our, our crosses to bear, bear, or burden and carry. And this is what Pope Francis says. He says that the Holy Spirit reminds us of all that Jesus said. He is the living memory of the church. And when he reminds us, he helps us understand the words of the Lord. This remembrance in the Spirit and by the virtue of the Spirit is an essential aspect of Christ's presence within us and within his church. The Spirit of truth and charity reminds us of all that Christ said and helps us to enter ever more fully into the meaning of his words. We all have this experience. One moment, in any situation, there's an idea, and then another connects with a passage from Scripture. It is the Spirit who leads us to take this path, the path of the living memory of the Church. And he asks us for a response. The more generous our response, the more Jesus' words become life within us, becoming attitudes, choices, actions, and testimony. In essence, the Spirit reminds us of the commandment of love and calls us to live it. A Christian without memory, says Pope Francis, is not a true Christian, but only halfway there. A man or a woman, a prisoner of the moment who doesn't know how to treasure his or her history, doesn't know how to read it and live it as salvation history. With the help of the Holy Spirit, however, we are able to interpret interior inspirations and life events in the light of Jesus' words. And thus within us grows the knowledge of memory, knowledge of heart, which is a gift of the Spirit. May the Holy Spirit rekindle the Christian memory within all of us. And there, that day, with the apostles, our Lady of Memory, who from the beginning meditated upon all these things in her heart. Mary, our mother, was there, and she will help us on this path of memory. As we grow as, as a community, I just want to encourage you to always remember what the candles are for at the Mass, to always bring light into our lives to remind us of the Spirit and the love of God. I just encourage you to pray for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to help our community spread the gospel, and to make those difficult decisions. As we look at Mary and Joseph in our gospel reading today, you have to imagine that people might have been talking negatively about them. Joseph had to give up work to sacrifice for Christ. Mary had to give up her whole body, her whole will, to sacrifice for Christ. But nonetheless, prophecies were fulfilled. And those who were waiting and waiting and waiting for some sense of hope, some sense of light, their hearts were fulfilled. And those two people were Anna, the prophetess, and Simeon, the prophet. And the joy that they experienced will be, will be on this altar in just a moment. Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. 
body, blood, soul, and divinity. As we enter, continue to enter into 2020, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.